Well, I, I just want to be honest today. Um, I got an argument with God this week. And uh, anybody ever argue with God? Argue with God? Yeah. The rest of you that didn't raise your hand, you're liars. And uh, we'll, we'll get to you in a minute. Uh, the reason I got an argument with God is because I love, to, I love to preach a passage of Scripture. Like I, love to, I like to take a passage of Scripture and go line by line and verse by verse and just dig all the just, just ugh, love that. And, um, and we're going to do that next week. Uh, today, not so much. I love to preach, but from, from time to time, I really feel like the Lord wants me to teach. And there, there is a difference. There is a difference between preaching and teaching. I, I, I yell less when I teach. And so God started taking me down this road for the message this week, and I, I didn't like it um, very much. And I, I just reminded God that, um, God, I'm a preacher. And then God reminded me, actually, you're nothing without me. And I was like, okay, you're right. So, so if you're looking for a great sermon, show up next week um, or go listen to some podcasts because today's not really going to be a sermon. Um, it's going to be something I, I'm going to teach on. And this is something that Jesus has taught me. And hopefully, this is, this is my hope and prayer, that, that as you leave today, that you will leave here knowing what your next step is in your walk with Christ. Because you're about to see um, a lot of people take their next step when we do baptism in their walk with Christ. Um, but when we do baptism, I want to always make it more than just something we add on in the service. I want it to be part of the service. And so as we walk through the scriptures today in regards to what baptism means for other people, we're going to also look at what our next step is in our walk with Christ. Let me, let me start out by saying this. There's two equal ideas that are incredibly destructive when it comes to Christianity. And if you're here, you've probably had one or both of these ideas about Christianity at some point. The first one is this. I can do this. And I know some of you are like, I can. I got a verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Dunk a basketball. <laughs> I thought you could do all things. I, I, so I, I'm just saying that's not what that verse really means. Um, uh, but, but this is what some people think. I, I, can do, I can do all the Christian things. Now, this is for people that grew up in a religious environment, or maybe like me, you became a Christian later in life and you stepped into a religious environment. And, and we start getting told what we have to do bit by bit and piece by piece. You remember this? So when I first became a Christian, it was like, uh, I was like, what do I need to do? And they're like, you need to come to church. How often? All the time. Now, I became a Christian in the 90s when churches, um, we equated activity with godliness. And, and the church's motto is, keep them so busy they don't have time to sin. So there was something going on at the church every week. There was a Bible study. There was visitation. There was choir practice. And at choir practice, that's where you got the best gossip in the church. We called it prayer, prayer time. But you, you learned about everything at choir practice, all right? So, and, and, and I went to church. And then they were, I was like, what else do I do? And they said, read your Bible. Now, confession. Reading my Bible has never been a problem for me because I just have always loved reading and I've loved guys. It doesn't make me godly. It just means that's a, that is a, I love to read. Like this morning I read in Ezekiel and I'm loving me some Ezekiel right now. He's mad at everybody right now, but I'm reading Ezekiel right now. 
And then, and then, this is where it got hard. I, they said, I said, what else do I need to do? And they said, we well, need to pray. And I was like, well, okay, like, how long do I pray? And I remember this one godly woman. She's super godly. Um, she said, you should, you should pray for 15 minutes a day. I said, okay. So I, I remember the first time I sat down, I'm going to pray for 15 minutes. And, and y'all, I prayed for everything that I knew. I prayed for orphans in Africa. I prayed for, I prayed for it all. When I got done, I'd pray for three minutes and 45 seconds. <laughs> and all I knew how to do was, I like, so I, I'm failing right there. But then she asked me, you pray for 15 minutes? And I told a Christian lie. A Christian lie is when you said you did something, but you realized, I was like, yeah. And then, and then they were like, um, you can't listen to certain music. I was like, wow. And, and the reason why I found that one out is because I was on a youth group trip to Six Flags and I had my headphones in. And I was listening to a song called The Humpty Dance by Digital Underground. It, how many know that song? How many know that song? Yeah, sinners. Um, but I, I could do the whole thing right now. I could. I'm not going to because y'all ain't ready for it. But they told me I couldn't listen to that song. And I was like, okay. And then you couldn't go to certain movies. And then you couldn't watch certain TV shows. And then it, somebody was like, do you fast? I'm like, okay, I, that's it. I'm out. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm going to hell because I don't, I don't. I had a buddy of mine one day, I'm not making this up. He went on a 40-day fast. He asked me, he said, you ever thought about doing that? I was like, nope. Mm -mm. He said, what if God told you to? I said, I would need a sign. He said, what kind of sign? I'm like, a naked Smurf. That would do it. If I saw a naked Smurf, then maybe. But, but what started happening was you, the, the, the message was do more, try harder. Read more about, do more, try harder. You ever felt like that? Do more, try harder. And what happens when you have this mentality is, is eventually you do so much that you begin to look down on other people that don't do as much as you and you think you're better than them because we believe that Christianity is a point system and God gives us more, us more points than other people, not understanding that the ground at the cross is level. Or what happens when we get in this mindset is, is we start failing but we're too scared to admit that we're failing or struggling because if we do, then it means that we actually can't do this. Which the, uh, the second thought that's dangerous when it comes to Christianity is this. I can't do this. Now, some of you that are taking notes are like this. I can't do this and I can't. I can't do this. This is, we're, we're seeing, a, a, unfortunately, a lot of people in mainstream Christianity today walking away from Christianity. And um, one of the things that I do, if they put out a podcast or a book or whatever, I dive into it because I want to figure out why they walk away. Now, I'm going to be real honest and I'm going to say something that I haven't heard a lot of people say. I'm just going to call it like I see it. A lot of the people that are walking away from Christianity used to be what I call Christian famous, like they were in a famous Christian band or they were a famous Christian speaker, and then they lost their fame. And when they lost their fame, they decided to walk away from Jesus. You know why? Because that got them a little bit more fame, which means they probably weren't actually following Jesus. They were just following the fame. And so that's a whole different story for a whole different time. I just wanted to put it out there. And the reason I put it out there is this, when you see Jesus... When you see his love, when you see his forgiveness, when you see his mercy, when you see his grace, when you see his compassion, it, you, you, you can't walk away from that. It's captivating. But there are people that 
you had the I can do this mentality, and it got so heavy on you that you were like, I can't do this. And this is for the person in the room, and this is what you're thinking. I would love to follow Jesus, but I, I can't quit drinking. I would love to follow Jesus, but, but I can't quit this lifestyle. I would love to follow Jesus, but I, I can't quit drug. I, I've had so many people say, I would love to follow Jesus, but I can't quit. And I'll pause right there and say, no, the, the, the most important thing is, do you want to follow Jesus? Because at the end of the day, I want to tell you something. My life, my life does not look like a man who follows Jesus. My, look, my life looks like a man who needs Jesus. And that's the difference. I'm telling you, hey, if y'all are looking for a pastor that sets a godly example, you came to the wrong place. I went, so we were, we were traveling this week, and um, if you, like, traveling in airports brings out stuff in me that I just didn't even know was there. I'm already mad because they made me mask. And I don't care where you are on mask, that's fine, but they were, they were making me. So I, I, I pulled it down on purpose, you know, whatever. And when I get on a plane, y'all, when I travel, I'm aggressive. When they say it's time to board, I'm on the plane. And I told Shannon, because she's tiny, I'm like, get behind me and don't look, don't look at anybody. So I am getting in the line, and I, she's behind me, and the guy behind her said, it'd be nice if somebody said, excuse me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear it. All I saw out of the corner of my eye was Shannon turn around, this is, and she's, she's so sweet, but she pulled down her mask. She said, I'm sorry, sir. I said, excuse me. Obviously, you didn't hear me. And he said, oh, I wasn't talking to you. And that's what I heard. I turned around and I said, what? <laughs> and Shannon said, shh. I said, I said, did he say something to you? <laughs> and push the pause button real quick. Some of you are like, pastor, you're in the Atlanta airport. What were you, what were you doing? Number one, I'm always looking for a sermon illustration. And number two, if I'd have gotten a fight and got arrested at this church, I'd have got a raise. I wouldn't have got fired. So... <laughs> I, but if you're a true southern gentleman, when somebody pops off at your wife, uh-uh. But, she, but, but also what you got to understand is women have this power. Because all Shannon had to do, and if, you, if you're a man in this room, you'll understand. All she had to do was touch my arm and say, baby, it's okay. And I went, hey, But in that moment, in that moment, I did not look like a man who followed Jesus. I looked like a man who, who desperately needed Jesus. And all of us have those moments every day. And what happens, though, is when we have those moments is we think, I can't do this. I can't, I can't be a Christian. I can't stay consistent. I can't go to church consistently. I can't read my Bible consistently. So, so I might as well just give up. 
And, and he, I'm here to tell you, Christianity is not about do more, try harder. That's not the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity is it is finished. I mean, Jesus has done the work. We receive his grace. We receive his mercy. So let me, in three words, best describe to you what baptism is all about, what Christianity is all about. I think I can do it in three words, okay? Here we go. Number one, confession. Confession. I always thought it'd be interesting. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. If we had a second chance confession booth. I couldn't, I couldn't be the priest because I'd be like, you did what? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> what? Confession. Confession is, confession is that thing that, that we are scared to do. Now, confession, when, we say, when I say confession to God, that's not giving him brand new information. That's not like, God, um, on Tuesday night, I looked at porn, and God's going, oh, oh my me. <laughs> like, that, that confession is not giving God information. Confession is agreeing with God that what we did was wrong. Confession is admitting to God, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not doing what I want to do. Confession is when we get real with God and we stop playing games. Confession is that thing that if we don't learn how to do it, and by the way, the church is un unfortunately one of the most unsafe places in the world to confess. But I'm telling you, one of the things I want to do is I want to create an environment where it's okay to show up and admit I'm wrestling with something. I'm struggling with something. And I listen, we're not going to throw you a parade because you're struggling. We're going to throw a parade and celebrate because you admitted that you're struggling and it's not where you want to be. When, when, I, when I was drinking all the time, I, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I had to get to the place where I said, this isn't what I want, because this is what I hate when some people go, you... Why can't you quit drinking for your family? It's the wrong reason. You know why? Because if your family pisses you off, you'll go right back into drinking and you can blame it on them. Confession is when we say, I'm not where I want to be. This is not the life I want to live. I'm not being the person that I, I, I want something to change. That's confession. That's when we get Real. I love it. We do baptisms at the end of the service. At, at the last service, I baptized a guy who admitted in front of our church he's been clean of drugs and alcohol for a week. For a week! For a week. Now, let me tell you why that pumps me up. Because somebody maybe sitting here or maybe watching online, your mind went to, well, I guess I know what he was doing last Sunday. And I would just say to you, probably not being a self-righteous, arrogant person. Anyway, somebody said that hurt. Uh, <laughs> so confession, confession, confession. The second part of being a Christian, um, the Christian life is repentance. Now, a few, few weeks ago, Cole and I were on stage and we did some 
Q&A together, and somebody asked the question, what's one of the things that gets on your nerves the most? And Cole said, street preachers, and I said, amen. And one of the reasons I hate hearing street preachers is I'm like, at least get the message right, because they'll be out there with their little megaphones going, repent, repent. And I'm like, they don't even know what that means, dude. I was a Christian for years, and I didn't know what repentance means. Repentance doesn't mean to change your behavior. If, you, if you're a parent, you understand this. If you, two kids get in a fight, one slaps the other one. You say, tell them you're sorry. I'm sorry. Were they really sorry? No, but that's what Christians think. We think God's in heaven going, stop it. Stop it. It's not repentance. Repentance is when we change our minds. Let me, I think most people can connect with food illustrations, so let's just go there for a minute. I love a good filet mignon. Love it. I know there's some vegans here, and I'm so, so thankful for you. You can have all my tofu, and I'll take your filet. But I used to have a problem. I used to get my filet cooked well done. Dear God. That is the most judged I have ever felt in this church. I've, I've confessed drinking gallons to you guys, and you're like, we love you, Pastor P. I confessed I used to get my steak well done, and you're like, stone him. I'll throw the first rock. I'm a work, dear God, I've whew, felt that judgment coming on me. I just, whew, got to rebuke that. But I did, and, and part of it was because my dad, the way he ate steak, and I wanted to be like him, and so I had a friend that owned a restaurant one time, and he came out, and um, he had my ticket in his hand. He said, I'm, I'm not doing this. I said, are you out of steak? He said, nope. He said, you're just ruining a great steak. And I said, y'all are really into this. This is amazing. <laughs> so he said, he said this. He said, let me cook it the way it should be cooked. And if you don't like it, I'll fix you another one exactly like you want it. I said, deal. He brought it out and I cut into it. And I was like, oh. Because it was, it was like medium to medium rare pink with a really, really thin slice of red in the middle, and it just, I was like, I don't know, and I bit into that thing, and, and I was filled with the Spirit of God, and I was, it was, and I've never eaten, I've never eaten a well-done steak again. In fact, <laughs> hi, I'm Perry, I eat well-done steaks, hi, Perry. <laughs> But see, it took an experience for me to change my mind. See, I didn't change my behavior. I changed my mind, and then my behavior changed. That's, that's what happens when we repent. We change our mind, and then our behavior changes. I learned this. I also learned this in recovery. 
This is where I learned confession and repentance. I learned it in recovery. By the way, we're all in recovery. Now, there's some people, maybe you're going, I've, I've never done drugs or alcohol. That's fine. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about shopping. I mean, it's... I don't, 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 uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. Y'all all judging on me for the well-done steak? Y'all, I'm, uh, I'm going to get all up in your business now. <laughs> Confession, God, this is not the life I want to live. Repentance, Jesus, let your thoughts be my thoughts. And then the third step out of this is obedience. Obedience is simply taking your next step. So when we baptize in this little while, it's a confession. I'm not Lord, Jesus is. Repentance is shown by the fact that they're going under the water and coming back up. It's it's a reminder to us that Jesus was buried and rose from the grave. It's a reminder that we are old and now we're new. And then obedience is, Jesus, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life, the best I know how. We're just going to take our next step. Now, In the Bible, our Bible heroes, our Bible heroes, by the way, and let me just say this, the Bible is one of, it's one of the most messed up books in the world. And when I say messed up books, I'm not, I'm not cracking on the authority of it. I'm I'm talking about the people's stories in the Bible are so messy that if the Bible were made into a full length movie, it would be NC-17 and you probably wouldn't even let your teenager watch it. It's messy. And I love that because they don't hide the messiness or the messiness of people. And one of the people that is in the Bible that, man, you talk about his mess being all over the Bible is Peter. Peter is that guy, and but but he does this pattern over and over and over again. Confession, repentance, and obedience. And just I want to point out a couple things. Um, One day in Matthew 4, 18 through 20, one day as Jesus was walking. Along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, follow me. That's the invitation. Follow me. He didn't even tell them where they were. He didn't say, this is where we're going. He just said, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. They didn't even know what that meant. But the Bible says in the next verse, then they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, at first, that seems irresponsible. Peter just decided to follow the hippie from God, you know, with Birkenstocks. And he's like, why, why? But this isn't the first time Jesus had, uh, this isn't the first time that Peter had met Jesus. Peter had met Jesus and heard him teach. And Jesus came along and he offered an invitation. And in this, we see confession where Peter essentially is saying, this isn't the life I want to live. This isn't the person I want to be. We see repentance because he literally changed his mind because his whole life he thought, I'm going to be a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, and then he followed Jesus. And Jesus didn't tell him, hey, Peter, you're going to follow me, and um, one day, here's the good news. One day, people are going to name their kids after you. There's going to be streets named after you. There's going to be cathedrals named after you. Here's the bad news. You're going to get crucified upside down. Historians say that's the way that Peter died. This is what Peter knew. This isn't the life I want to live. There's something about that man, I'm going to follow him. And he did for three, three and a half years. And his, his, 
his following of Jesus was a roller coaster. But on the, on the last night that Jesus was on earth before his death, he was at a thing we call the Lord's Supper. Some people call it the Last Supper. It's not the Last Supper because we're a feast in heaven. I mean, so I, I, it's the Lord's Supper. And so at the Lord's Supper, Peter got kind of excited because Jesus said, I'm going to get killed and y'all are going to run and betray me. And Peter did that thing that, we all, that we've all done. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. You ever, you ever made God a promise like that? God, if you'll just get me out of this, I promise, I swear I'll never do it again. Have you, ever, have you ever, come on now, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can do the mmm thing. You ever been so just hammered, head in the toilet, <laughs> slobber coming out your mouth? God, God, if you just get me sober, I'll never do it again. And then you did. You did, you did, you did it again. We've all done this. God, I'll, I'll, I'll never. And then Jesus comes back and says, I'll tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. Aren't you glad that Jesus knew every stupid, sinful, self-centered decision we would ever make before we were even created and he created us anyway and went ahead and arranged for that sin to be paid for? This is, I didn't say this in the last service, but every time I say this, it causes controversy, so I want to make sure I'll say it again. And I'm dead serious. I will fight somebody over this. You have never disappointed God. Never. And most people are doing this, and I got a few of these. Let me tell you why. If you could disappoint God, that would mean you could surprise him. If you could surprise him, that would mean he would not be all-knowing. If he's not all-knowing, he's not God. Jesus called, Jesus called, how would you like to be called out for your sin before you did it? So Peter pushes back, no, yelling at Jesus. No, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And, I, and we missed this part. And all the other disciples vowed the same. They were all like, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah me, me too, me too. I'm not sure about the dying part, but yeah, me too. But then we know the story. Soldiers show up. Peter runs. Well, after he cut off a guy's ear. But that's okay because Jesus fixed it. And then he ran. And Jesus rose from the dead. He died, he was crucified, and he rose from the dead. And Mark's gospel, and most theologians believe that Mark got all of his information from Peter. Mark's gospel has this incredible phrase in it that no other gospel has. It says in Mark 16, 7, now the angel is talking to the people that came to the tomb. and said, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. In other words, this is Jesus' message to Peter. Go back to where we met you. Go, go back to where we met because I'm going to restore you there and use you in ways that you could never imagine on this side of eternity. And he did. In fact, if, 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 if you start reading through the book of Acts and Acts 2, the Holy Spirit falls on a group of believers numbered about 120 and everybody comes rushing from everywhere 
And people were wigged out going, what's happening? And some people in the crowd said, well, they're obviously drunk. And Peter stood up and said, these people are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning, which has always made me laugh a little bit. Because I'm like, what about if it had been nine at night? Like, well, I mean, I don't know. And, and some people are like, people don't get drunk at nine in the morning when Clemson has a 12 o'clock kickoff. <laughs> I'm just telling y'all. <laughs> and then Peter, Peter on the day of Pentecost, Peter, the guy that ran, Peter that j- didn't know anything about Jesus when he first started following him, he just started following him. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And if you want to read through that message on your own, it'll take you about 10 to 15 minutes in Acts chapter 2. He preaches and three thousand people give their lives to Christ. They baptize 3,000 people. I mean, I'm going to have to go ice up after today's baptism, right? I'm going to have to like go see a doctor and take some Motrin or whatever. I mean, 3,000 people. And then in Acts 3, Peter is walking to the temple and there's a, there's a crippled guy there and Peter walks by him and the, and the guy wants money and Peter said, oh man, left my wallet at home. Uh, you know what? Why don't you just get up and walk? And, and the guy got up and walked. I, I, now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I feel like I've had some pretty good quiet times. I've had some pretty emotional moments. I've had some pretty really cool, awesome times with Jesus. I have never walked up to someone that was crippled and said, get up and walk. And they walked. That's like, that's like a, that's spiritual status, if you know what I'm talking about. And then in Acts chapter 9, he went to this city and there's a woman whose name was Dorcas that had died. And by the way, if you're looking for a baby name, I wouldn't throw Dorcas in the mix, all right? I'm just saying they're going to get picked on at school. But her name was Dorcas, and Dorcas was dead. And Peter went to Dorcas's house and said, Dorcas, get up. And she got up. I've never pulled that one off. I've never been at a funeral and went, you know what? I don't feel like preaching a funeral today. Bob, get up. And Bob just got up. Like, when you got that kind of spiritual power, that's legit. Can, can we agree on that? But see, here's, here's the myth that we buy into. Peter had a breakthrough, and once you have a breakthrough, you'll never struggle again. But I told you, Christianity is about confession and repentance and obedience. Because in Acts chapter 12, Peter's in jail, and um, an angel shows up, and he gets released. But not long after that, he goes to this place called Antioch. And there's a guy in Antioch named Paul. And, and there's a problem that happens. And I, I didn't know about this for years. But in Galatians chapter 2, this is what Paul said. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. Whoa, Paul? I'm talking about Peter. Preached on the day of Pentecost, Peter. Healed the crippled guy, Peter. Raised Dorcas from the dead, Peter. Yeah, yeah, he did something wrong. I'm sure you're off. What'd he do? Okay. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some, of friend, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism. Huh. Isn't it wonderful how much we've progressed in 2,000 years? He was afraid criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Peter was wrong. 
superstar Christian Peter messed it up. All of us mess it up. Christianity is not about being perfect. It's about placing our faith in the one who is perfect. And when we do mess up, we confess, we repent, and then we obey. Did Peter confess, repent, and obey? We don't know based on Galatians. But we know based on a letter he wrote about 10 to 12 years later where he says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. In other words, as you're a Jewish and you relate to a Gentile, just be humble. Don't think you're better than somebody because you're circumcised or don't think you're better than somebody because you read your Bible more or you went to church more or you have a Christian, but don't think you're better. than Just, just be humble. This is Peter saying this. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Did Peter confess, repent, and obey? Absolutely. But there was still something in him that was off. I don't care how good of people we are, there's going to be something in us that's just a little broken. And Scripture records it, and it took me years to see it. But Peter takes one shot at Paul in his, in his epistle in 2 Peter. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's pretty hysterical when you look at it from this vantage point. Watch this. This is what Peter said. And remember in 2 Peter, and remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Are you glad that God was patient with you? God reminded me of this the other day. I was outside with our dogs. We, Shannon and I have a couple dogs, and one dog is taking it forever. I was like, I'm, God literally spoke to me and said, aren't you glad I was patient with you? I'm still mad at the dog, but, but it just reminded me that God was patient with me. This is what our beloved, watch this. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. But he couldn't leave it there. Watch what else he said. Speaking of these things in all his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. <laughs> I love that. Peter's like, Paul wrote some good stuff. I mean, I mean, there's some stuff I don't understand. Let's just be honest. He's not that great. He's not as good as me. But, but this just reminded me that that superstar Christian Peter still wrestled with some things. And what I'm doing right now is I'm not giving people permission to sin. I'm giving you permission to admit that you're struggling with sin. You want to change your mind and take your next step. Because at the end of the day, what you're about to see in this baptistry is everybody has the next step. They've prayed to receive Christ and they're following through on their next step. So what's your next step? Do you need to confess something to God or somebody else that you're not where you need to be and you're not doing what you need to do? Is there something you need Jesus to change your heart and your mind about? Is, what is that next step? I don't know what it is, but here's what I know. If you ask Jesus, he'll let you know. Um, I'm going to pray in just a second, and then we're going to do baptism. And this is the way we do baptism. This is the way we do baptism. We baptize someone, we share a little bit of their story. 
we don't them and then we clap and cheer and celebrate. We, we, we celebrate. We don't wait till the end because nobody does that at a football game. Nobody goes, okay, we're up by 21 in the second quarter, but I'm not clapping until we, until we know we won. No. If, if somebody makes a decent play, we throw our babies on the field just because that's what we are like. We, don't chunk your babies up here. I'm just saying we, 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 we get excited. So when somebody goes under the water and comes back up, we clap and we cheer and we celebrate because we believe that in heaven, angels are clapping and cheering and celebrating. So Jesus, over these next few moments, as we watch these people take their next steps, as we hear the stories of the changes that you've brought about in people's lives. God, may we pause and just thank you for the work that you have done in their life. But even more than that, God, may we be open to the work that you want to do in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but that was absolutely amazing. From from the fact that we saw somebody from the last service accept Christ and come back to this service and get baptized. We saw people from five all the way up to the age of 84 get baptized today. And I think we should thank God for a place where people can show up like they, no, 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 no. You have cheered louder than that for a dog show. I think we should thank God in this place for who he is, what he's done, the change that he has brought about, and the change he's going to continue to bring about us. Y'all stand with me and let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what we've seen, for what we've celebrated. But Jesus, thank you that this is just a taste of the work that you want to do in our church and in our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask this question. What do you need to confess to God right now? What do you need to say, God, this is not, this is not how I wanna live. This is not what I wanna be doing. This is, go ahead, feel that freedom. Feel that freedom to just lift that up to him. What do you need Jesus to change your mind about? And then what's your next step? What's your next step? If you don't know, ask him. He will make it so clear. He wants us to know his will more than we actually want to know it sometimes. And maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You, st- you saw people stand in this, in this pool and say, Jesus is Lord, but you've never, you've never proclaimed Jesus as Lord. You've never asked him into your life to be Lord. And so you know that's your next step. I want to offer you an opportunity to do that right now, right where you stand. Whether you're in this room or watching online, you can just pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to do me a favor. If you're here and you ju- or you're watching online and you just prayed that prayer, 
and you meant that prayer with all your heart, I want you to do me a favor and put your hand straight up in the air and do it right now. Do it right now. Hold it up. Leave 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 it up. Amen. Amen. Leave it up. If you're online, there's at least 15 hands in the room right now. Father, I want to thank you so much for every single one of these people that have prayed to receive you. I want to thank you so much that you love us and that you change lives. I want to thank you so much that this work that you started in every single person that accepted you today, you'll carry on in completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We celebrate you. We, we say all of this in your name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed to receive Christ, your next step is baptism. So let's make sure we get you signed up for the next baptism that we have. If you're a first-timer, please stop by the first-timer area. I'd love to say hey to you. And y'all show up next week for our three-year anniversary Sunday. Love you guys. God bless. Y'all have a great week.